Testing one, two, check one, two. All right, I'm going to see if you pop up on my Facebook. That's a that's an older one. All right. So did is he on there yet? Is it live? There we go. Yep, we're on. So I know one person's watching, but I think it's me. So okay, so Brad's on. All right. I'm gonna go ahead and share this on mine. All right. So if you guys are joining us on Facebook Live, uh, this is Bragging on Jesus. It has been a long time, uh, not since we bragged on Jesus, hopefully we're doing that in our day-to-day lives, but since we've done a live video feed, and uh, kind of what we do here is we try to do five-minute sermons. Um, so just uh, for some of us, those are actually five minutes for, for like Robin, sometimes they're 15 to 20. Um, but anyways, we, we just want a, kind of a platform or an opportunity to share the good news of the gospel with people. And so this is what that is. And so tonight we kind of have a Christmas theme um, about who Christ is and, and what his incarnation uh, means for us this time of year. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Please feel free to share this link so that other, others see it. And um, I'm going to pray for us, and then Robin's going to start us off. So bow with me. King Jesus, we thank you so much just for the opportunity to gather together as brothers in Christ and to spend time in your word. Uh, God, I, I'm reminded of Psalms 119, just that the law of the Lord is perfect and it, it's life-giving and joy-bringing and it can actually uh, give us wisdom and, and delight our hearts. And, and so I'm really looking forward tonight um, to tonight for that reason, God. And, and I pray that you would accomplish all that you will with your word. Uh, God, I pray that... Um, the, the good news of the gospel, the message that, that we talk about tonight, that it would, uh, that it would spread far and, and wide and that you, God, that you would accomplish uh, your will. Let, let that be done and just uh, pray that your spirit would be with these men, God, that um, whatever words and, and truth we speak and share and bring, that, um, God, you would be um, all up in it and just... Uh, let let your word go forth and, and accomplish what you might t- tonight, God. Be glorified in us and let us delight much in you. In your name we pray. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, Robin Ayler. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. All right. Hey, everybody. Good to be back with you. And uh, I've got a, a little message on my heart today. And yes, Daniel, it will probably be over five minutes because I, I was in the process of uh, whittling it down, and I didn't get it all whittled down yet. So t- tonight, today, tonight, yeah, I, I want to share a timeline from the Bible that is going to lead us to Christmas, all right, and beyond. Yeah, I know this is not a, a traditional Christmas message, but I think it can give us uh, some good insights uh, for what the, the coming of Jesus should should mean for us in our lives. So the, the perspective of perspective of the timeline is God's view of what his purpose is for us. Who are we? What is our mission? What is God's objective in us in all this? So so that's it. To get us started, here's a really great summary passage from the Apostle Paul. 
And it's, it's all about what we're talking about tonight. And speaking of Jesus, here's what he says in Colossians, beginning with chapter 1, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So that's Jesus, right? That's amazing. That's an amazing passage. Jesus is the, the first and the actual image of God. Uh, this God who is invisible, right? He, he has no, no, no physical being in that, in that context. And Jesus is his actual image. So, and we know that Jesus is God from many scriptures throughout the Bible, plenty of them. One of them, Hebrews 1 8 says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. That's talking about Jesus. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And Colossians told, Colossians told us some things, um, how all things were created by Him, through Him, and for Him. So, so that's the mindset of today's timeline that we're going to look at and this is still part of the intro so but but there is something terribly wrong when we think that that focusing on ourself is going to cure all of our uh, dissatisfaction and and our depression and our discontentment right looking at ourself just won't ever do that and jesus has told us it's all about him and the irony is when we do Put Jesus in the right context for who He is. Um, we we get everything that we ever could have imagined before when we were looking inward, right? We we get unsearchable riches, a, a, eternal inheritance, um, joy, peace, um, everything. The Bible actually says all things are ours. So, so instead of finding our delight in Jesus, though, what do we do? That, that's exactly right. We take these things that are called selfies. <laughs> and, and that's really a representation of our whole life, I think, in some context, right? Um, and we post them on social media. We, we try to find the best angle and the right lighting and um, the perfect facial expressions. We, we try all the... Yeah, that's right. And we even, um, we even put filters on our, on our photos and we, we Photoshop them sometimes to make us look better. Uh, we've all did some of that, I guarantee you. And we might even post an old, old picture when we were younger. We looked better, right? Yeah, yeah. And then on, on the other side of it, some don't even put a, a picture on because, you know, they, they, they don't want to look bad to others, right? It's all about us. We live in a, it's all about me society. But that was never God's plan for, for our joy. It was always meant to be us looking to Him. So now we're getting ready to start off the timeline, and we're going to begin with a trivia question. And here's what it is. Who took the first selfie in the Bible? Brad, was it Adam, Eve? Was it uh, Noah, Abraham, Cain, Abel? Noah, did I say that? Who do you think? Who took the first selfie in the Bible? 
How's that? Okay. Any other thoughts? Brad's wrong. Well, he was tempted. Okay. So it was about him. Both. It was about both him and her. Wrong. Let 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 me answer that from scripture, and this is not a joke. Genesis one twenty six. Then God said, "Let us make man in our own image." Right. So there's definitely a uh, connection to the Trinity there. Jesus was there in the beginning. We know that from many many other scriptures, but. Um, Man was made in God's image. So uh, Jesus is different in that we already read in Colossians how he is the exact uh, actual image of God, uh, the invisible God. And we are, are made in his image. We're not the actual image. We, we're his image bearers, you might say. So we, we know that a picture that bears a person's image, of course, represents them. And when you show a picture to your friend uh, of a loved one, maybe a, of a child or a grandchild or a spouse, it causes a conversation to develop. And uh, and you brag on them, right? You, you brag on this picture you're showing somebody. You You tell them how beautiful they are or how handsome they are. And we talk about their good qualities, and we tell the other person we're talking to about why we love them so much. And that's what an image uh, stirs up in our heart uh, to, 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 as it gets into our conversation. Therefore, as an image of God, when people see us, our life should be a picture that causes conversations, right? Conversations that glorify Jesus and show Him to be beautiful and let others know why we love him so much. That's what an image bearer should do for the actual image, right? Yeah. It's not all about the images, but it's about the ones they represent. So, so man was created in God's image. Um, that was stop number one on, on our um, roller coaster timeline ride. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> so stop number two is just a few verses later, Genesis 128, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So um, they received God's blessing. We sometimes overlook that, but it's, it's going to come up later in the timeline over and over. Uh, God blessed them. And and then he, he, he gave them a mission. Mankind was to multiply and fill up the earth with images of God's glory. And therefore, as they do, it says uh, to uh, subdue it, right? So to oversee it, to rule the, the earth with the good qualities and the character of God. So as image bearers that point to him and glorify him, we are supposed to rule the earth. That, that's our mission in life, right? So that's what it was for Adam and Eve. And we, we go to... Stop number three, Genesis three. Brian, what do you think that is? Got any ideas? Genesis three, Brad. Uh, both of y'all mentioned it. That's the reason. The man's fall. There you go. All right. Stop number three in the timeline of God's purpose. So Satan deceived Eve, told her 
that God had lied, that she wouldn't die. They wouldn't die if they disobeyed God and ate of the fruit. And in fact, they would become like God. So the, the mission, they chose a different mission. The mission changed from then on out. It was all about them and them being glorified. They wanted to, to have glory equal to God. That was Satan's problem too when he was in heaven as the archangel. He wanted glory equal to God. He was cast out of heaven because of his pride. And, and Satan essentially tempts Adam and Eve with, with the same temptation that caused his fall. And so they, they choose this different mission instead of sharing God's glory with the whole world and multiplying God's glory. They want to share their own glory. All right. So they began multiplying the earth with images that were self-centered instead of God-centered. But even in their sin, in, in Genesis chapter 3, God, uh, he, he, in his mercy, he promised a deliverer that w- would one day come and fix the broken image of God in man. It was distorted now. And, but, and so, after God spoke again, they had a chance to quit believing Satan and believe God once again. And if they would believe in the hope of the coming Messiah, they could rest in God's word again. Um, before long, though, the earth was full of self-centered people, right? That seed of sin was still there. And that brings us to stop number four, which I call the hard reboot. Okay. So any thoughts on what that might be? The flood, the worldwide flood. Okay, right. So Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 12, and God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So God sent a worldwide flood and, and the earth was rebooted, but, but God saved Noah and his family. Um, then we see the blessing come after that. Genesis 9, 1, and God blessed Noah. Remember, he, he blessed Adam and Eve, and he said, Go multiply and fill the earth with, my, uh, with images of me. And here he tells Noah, uh, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So um, this stop number five, the water subsided. Is that subs- subsided? Is that right? And, and so... Uh, when God, once again, God blesses man and he repeats the mission. Uh, and, and what we know about Noah is the Bible tells us he walked with God. So he had fellowship with God. He had relationship with God. And that's in the Old Testament. We learn that in the New Testament. Hebrews 11, um, the Bible says he was made righteous in God's eyes through faith. So that's the same way we're made righteous before God today, the same way Abraham was made righteous. He believed God and it was accounted in him as righteousness. So, so why did God repeat the mission to Noah and his family? Um, God still wanted the earth to be filled with people who walked with him through faith, right? Just like Noah. So, you know, rebooting your computer or your phone, it may get rid of some errors, right? Sometimes we have to do that. I fix a lot of things that way. But if there's a serious uh, problem, uh, rebooting only resets the defaults, right? Uh, it doesn't fix, if there's a virus down deep, it doesn't fix it. And so when, when God rebooted the earth, the seed of Adam and Eve was still in place, right? 
Uh, so it didn't take long for mankind to turn their eyes away from God back to themselves. Stop number six. Anybody? Uh, Ta- Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. You're, you're looking in the Bible, aren't you, Brad? <laughs> All right, you're exactly right. It's a soft reboot here, I, I would call it. It's kind of a reboot. It's not like the flood. Um, so the Bible says that the people of the earth had one language, and as people traveled together from the east to the west, Genesis 11.4 says this, Come, they said, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of all the earth. So the mission has changed again since the reboot. All of a sudden, instead of multiplying uh, the glory of God in his image throughout the world, they don't want to be scattered. They want to settle down right here and... And not make a name for God, but make a name for themselves. So both parts of the mission, they, they, they scrapped, right? It's all about them once again. So, but God scattered them anyway, right? Uh, across the earth and he confused their language until the day would come when true image bearers would come and share the best news in the universe with them. And that brings us to stop number seven, and this may be two or three stops together, I'm not sure, but um, let's look at Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. So the passage goes on and with much praising of God by the angels. So the question is, why did Jesus come to earth as a man, as a baby? The only way to do what? To redeem. To, to restore. restore the right. Okay, that's exactly right. And the, and the image, the distorted image. So that's the same thing. Yeah, it's a, that, that image. What? John, that's exactly right. All through the Bible, we find that. So, so Jesus came to to uh, to fix this broken image in, in our lives, and He did that. Um, he He wanted to untangle our twisted heart towards sin and change our want tos, and that's what Jesus did. He did it by He lived a perfect life, the one that none of us have lived, no, not in Noah's day, not in Adam and Eve's day. Not in our day. And then he died the sinner's death. The wages of the sin is death. That's, that's what the law says. Jesus w- was paid our wages on the cross. He fulfilled the law for us. Um, and then he, he defeated the power that, that sin had 
through God's law over us. I mean, even through God's own law, the wages of sin is death. He defeated that for us by by um, living a life, the perfect life, dying the sinner's death, and raising from the grave for us so that we might have new life in Jesus Christ. And, and so we're not all fixed perfectly anymore. I mean, positionally before God, we are 100% righteous in God's image, but practically we are a work in progress. And Brad keeps laughing at me, and I have no earthly wife. <laughs> we, but, but God, God is working out that that image in us. And in closing, uh, I just love this. Like my my, well, one scripture for Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So, so a new creation. We we are this image of God in Jesus Christ. And that's what he came to do. And his work in us practically is ongoing. Second Corinthians 3.18. Um, remember, the we're, we're image bearers. That's what he's making. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And uh, the thing is, uh, in the last point is our mission has not changed. God blesses us uh, so much. Um, he's with us forever, right? He, he will never leave us. And um, he gives this, uh, this mission out. He repeats it again before he ascends into heaven. Matthew twenty-eight eighteen, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. In other words, multiply and, and fill the world with the image of God and share the good news of Jesus. Display his image so that all people might see his beauty. Let's pray. Father God, you're awesome, Lord. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for your mercy, Lord, uh, that began before the foundation of the world and uh, that was promised in Genesis that, that Jesus would come, our only hope, and, and how throughout history your, your, your people have, have hoped in your, your word, even when it was in the shadows, Father, but Jesus has come. And uh, we celebrate that this Christmas. Thank you for Jesus. And just continue to work on us, Father, and mold us into better image bearers of you so that we might share your beauty with others. In Jesus' name, amen. And next, Eric Jones is going to come. Thanks, Eric. Yes, sir. Thank you, Rob. All right. So uh, Christmas is a time when we come and we celebrate with family, uh, exchange gifts. But Christmas is a time that that we should celebrate the birth of Christ. That That's what Christmas is. Uh, without Christ, there would be no Christmas. Uh, many read the account in Luke 2 to commem commemorate the birth of Christ, uh, but I wanted to take a few minutes and look at a passage from one of Paul's epistles, the epistle to the Galatians. Paul's writing this letter uh, to the believers in this region of Galatia. Uh, they were preoccupied with keeping the law, 
and it was causing division in, amongst the church, uh, racial divisions, uh, Jews versus Gentiles, basically. So he tells him in this passage uh, that we're going to look at that it's the Holy Spirit that gives us our identity in Christ, and it's not the law. So in Galatians 4, verses 4 through 7, it says this, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And then verse 7 says, Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What better gift is there at Christmas or any other time than the gift of redemption and adoption as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ? So uh, I'm just going to break down this uh, this passage passage a little bit. Uh, in verse 4, we, we read about the uh, fullness of time, when the fullness of time had come. Many seem to think that this is just some random time that God, you know, picked out of the air or whatever, uh, just some random time that he had, that uh, he looked at his watch and is like, you know, oh, I, I forgot about that. I need to get that done. Uh, that That's not what it's saying at all. The word Fullness here means the end of an appointed period or the time appointed by the Father. So the birth of Jesus was planned from the beginning. I mean, this, this wasn't something that just happened. It was planned uh, down to the very second that he was born. Had God sent a Savior very soon after the fall, we wouldn't have realized how sinful we were. Uh, and we wouldn't have seen the tragic results of our sin. A lot of that that Robin uh, spelled out for us just a few minutes ago. Uh, also, we wouldn't realize our inability to save ourselves, uh, either through the law that came later or through our own conscience, because we're told that that, that is, you know, that, that's a law to ourselves. We have a conscience. Uh, we can't even live up to that. Thousands of years of prophecy pointed to a Savior, and they all pointed to a particular time. And through God's providence during what we call the Pax Romana, the, the period of peace uh, that existed between nationalities uh, in the Roman Empire, the time had become right for Jesus to come, and the gospel could be declared throughout the known world. And when that had finally taken place, Jesus came just as God said he would, as he had determined beforehand. Uh, he was born of a woman, it says. Again, this is something that was told of all through, the, all through the Old Testament. Back in Genesis 3 that Robin mentioned earlier, uh, God told Satan that the seed of the woman would bruise your head. Uh, that's a death blow, by the way. Uh, and that Satan would bruise his heel. Uh, this is the first of many prophecies that a Savior was coming. Uh, and as we go along in the Old Testament... There's more flesh put into these prophecies, and it gets pretty specific by the time you get to Isaiah that you'll hear about in just a, a few minutes. Uh, God became a man for our sakes. He left glory to become a servant. Uh, he could have come as a king, or he could have come as somebody of great importance, but he chose to come as someone who lived a life of toil and hardship and servanthood. 
Uh, he was born under the law. What's significant about this? Uh, in order to save us from the wrath of God, in order for Jesus to be able to redeem us or to reconcile us to God, he had to live a life of sinless perfection in subjection to the law. Now, before Jesus, God's covenant was with the Israelites, uh, and in order to be in God's favor, they had to keep the law, and they had to be set apart from the nations that were around them. And not just part of the law, I mean, they had to keep all of it, all 613 of them. And, uh, you know, laws about how to worship and what to eat and what not to eat and how to treat your neighbors and how to treat foreigners living in your land. And that doesn't even scratch the surface. And it's not like school. You know, 70% is not passing. You, you had to keep all of them, 100%, or you're not right with God. Not only did they not keep those, not only did they not set themselves apart from the, the nations surrounding them, they became like them. They worshipped other gods, and they did despicable things. No one could keep the law, but Jesus did. None of us can keep the law of our conscience either. We lie, we envy, we get jealous, but Jesus obeyed them all. In verse 5, says, since he did keep the law, uh, he was able to redeem us from the wrath of God. So when, when Jesus came to earth as a baby, uh, God in human flesh, he lived his entire 33 and a half years sinlessly. And as a result of this sinlessness, Jesus was able to bring us into God's favor. He was able to reconcile us to God through the faith that we're given to believe in the finished work of Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. That faith that we have is a gift from God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. We're also adopted into God's family as sons and daughters. Uh, to me, this is one of the most exciting things about the passage. Uh, when we have children, I've got children, uh, when, whenever you have children in your family, they're born into the family, you know, naturally. There wasn't any choosing. But when a child is adopted into a family, they're chosen. And God, God chose us. God chose me. Second Thessalonians 2.13, Paul says, uh, But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and faith in the truth. <clears throat> Excuse me. In verse 6, we learn that as a result of this adoption, he gives us the Holy Spirit, who is given as a pledge or a down payment of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. That's in Ephesians 1.14. So we can call the God of all creation our Father because his Spirit is in us and because we're his possession. And then verse 7 uh, the, the result is we're no longer slaves to sin and slaves to the law and death, but we're sons and daughters, heirs through the gracious acts of God. Uh, that sinless life that we talked about that Jesus lived, the laying down of his life at the hands of his accusers, uh, the absolutely brutal death that he suffered willingly on our behalf, and the glorious resurrection from the dead. This, my friends, is the wonderful news. Uh, the gospel. Uh, 
And this is the greatest gift that's ever been. So when you're celebrating with your family this Christmas, don't forget that that's the reason that we celebrate. Uh, Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for the privilege that we have to come together like this. Uh, I thank you for these men that we can sharpen one another and uh, we can glorify you. I just pray uh, that you would be with Brian Goodman as he comes now uh, to brag on you. And uh, we just ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brian Goodman's going to come up now. All right, tonight I wanted to go over Luke 1, verses 26. This tells about the birth of Jesus foretold and how Mary had to trust in the Holy Spirit and God. In a six-month, angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in the Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Oh, greetings, O favorite one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call him named Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him in the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age was conceived a son, and this was the sixth month with her for who was called parent. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant. Of the Lord, let it be according to me, according to your word. And angel departed from her. Right there in that um, scripture, I was just going over. It shows that Mary had to trust God. We, she had to have faith. And without God's faith, we have nothing in life. Everything we do relies on His faith. And there's one more scripture that I wanted to go over here. I believe it was. Uh, 2.16. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it has been told of them. In that passage, it talks about how Mary trusted God and kind of goes over um, part of the birth of baby Jesus. And the next, uh, after that, it talks about how Jesus was presented at the temple. And I think that's all I'm going to go over tonight. I'd like to say a prayer. Dear Father God, thanks for bringing us together, Lord.
Thanks for putting us put these words in our heart, Father, and for showing us that this is what the season is about, is Jesus, Lord, and nothing else, Father. We continue to be with everybody on this world, Lord, and all these things we ask in your name. Amen. All right, I am going to be in the Gospel of Luke as well, and I'm, I'm actually going to pick up right where you left off, so it's perfect. It works up. So I'm, I am going to look at uh, Jesus being presented in the temple. But uh, before I get there, uh, man, I, I just want to start off by saying, does anybody have a problem remembering important things? Like, that just me? Like, I, I'm a really forgetful person, and, like, I've had to, like, I, like, I've been really disorganized most of my life, but as I've got older, I've had to come up with different like things to help me remember important things. So like uh, when when I like uh, have important paperwork or if I have like a check I've got to take somewhere or remember something from the church, like I always put my keys on top of it because like I can't leave without. And so yeah, yeah. So like I'm always trying to think or like. Um, in uh like when i'm when i'm doing a baptism like i'll always like set like a bunch of reminders on my phone like all right friday at 3 30 go fill the baptism and then like you can set like on your phone you can make it like uh where it's like a severe like you can set the alert to where it'll really like make your phone vibrate and all this stuff so so like i have to do all these things um and in the morning like when i go do bible studies i always set like six alarms instead of one like just in case right (laughs) And so, like, uh, I, I think that th- these are just different tips or tricks or things that, that I use as helpful reminders of what's important. And I, I think we see that in the Christmas story. Um, it, it's really cool. It's like God is giving Mary and Joseph good news reminders of who Jesus is, right? And so you've got, like, uh, the, the, at, the, at the very start of the story, which we've already covered, it's like God is, God, God tells them this great news, like, hey, you're going to have a baby and 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 brian just read that it's going to be my son right but then you know like life happens the pregnancies like probably feel somewhat normal and and a few months goes by and she goes to elizabeth's house and god's like i better remind her who this who this kid is it's not something normal right and so when she gets near elizabeth uh john the baptist inside elizabeth's tummy leaps for joy and elizabeth's filled with god's spirit and she starts prophesying and basically said, that's not a normal child inside of you, right? And then Mary's filled with the Spirit, and she like does an impromptu song about who this is inside of her womb. And she says, everybody's going to call me blessed, and this, like, this is a Savior. And she uses that word. And so uh, then, then you've got another uh, six, seven months that go by. And it, again, it's a normal pregnancy. Her back's hurting and... You know, like all these things are happening and, and, she, and she's getting big and she's growing. And then uh, you've, you've got uh, the, the, the night that the child is born and seems normal, right? The healthy baby comes in and then some shepherds show up with this wild tale. And they's like, he's like, how'd you find us here? And they say like, dude, a whole choir, a whole choir lit up the sky and they told us about your son. 
And they told us that he was the Savior. And they they said it was good news of great joy for all people and and that he was Christ the Savior. And they told us to get here as quick as we could and and we'd find him. And it's just as the angel says. And and it says Mary treasured that up in her heart. And it's it's just this reminder, right? And and then you go on a a couple more years, a year and a half or so, you have these wise men show up. These these royal figures show up. and, And like Jesus at this point, maybe he's a year and a half, two years old, and and these guys are bowing at his feet. And it's like, man, I, I, have, a, I have a kid who's nine months old right now. Like it, it's just like there's nothing glorious or regal or amazing about you know, a, a toddler. And yet uh, these guys are, are laying gifts at his feet. And they're saying, like, you guys need to remember, this is heaven's king who's here, right? And so like, there's all these reminders again and again. It's, it's as if God's like, okay, I know sometimes life gets boring and it feels normal, but like nothing's normal because Jesus showed up ever again. Like for you guys, like, and for us, like, because we've been brought in to a right relationship with God. And so it's like sometimes things feel normal, but Jesus has changed everything forever. And so all these uh, reminders are there. Uh, so it's, it's God's son. It's, it's heaven's king. Um, the, the one who rules and reigns over those angels is the one who sent them. And this is the one in the, the manger. Uh, you, you read that, that passage, Robin, and I really love that. It's um, the angel of the Lord and the glory of the Lord and Christ the Lord. It's like that's his glory. Those are his angels, and he's in that manger, right? And so it's just like all this, all this glory here. Um, and so all these reminders like where, where God through Scripture is just like, pleading with us, like, don't miss the fact that something incredible has happened here. And so um, all that to say, I want to focus tonight in Luke 2, 22 through 33, on one of my favorite reminders that God gives us uh, through Simeon and Anna. So you've got uh, these two older people. Um, I I don't know exactly how old Simeon is. He's older. Anna's in her 80s. And uh, they show up at the temple and they begin rejoicing over Jesus. And so I'm just going to read Simeon's story. And here's, here's what God's word says. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that's Jesus, up, from, uh, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer sacrifices according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him according to the customs of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And so... Um, I really love this passage, and uh, part, part of me loves it because it's kind of humorous, right? So uh, you've, you've got Simeon, who's, who's been waiting for this day for, for quite some time. Like, uh, you, you can tell just in the passage, he really loves the Lord. 
and he loves the scriptures, and his heart like is thrilled and looking forward to the day that, that, that God shows up to rescue, right? And so I imagine like he knows those passages you quoted, and he's looking forward to that. He's like, man, something's coming. God's going to do something. And, and uh, God, through his spirit, makes, makes known to Simeon. It's like, dude, rescue so close that I will let you see it before you die. Right, like, and what a what a cool gift from God, right? Like, just just like to to bring you into to this glorious thing that that you're gonna get to see um, God's rescue plan with your own eyes. And so the the day finally shows up, and I imagine Simeon's like just pumped, right? Like he's excited. Um, I know he's an older guy, but I bet he's got like extra pep in his step that day, right? He probably puts on his favorite robe, you know, and does his hair like he wants to look good for the Savior of the world. And so he's, uh, he, he comes to the temple, and I am certain that his eyes are peeled, and his heart is just about ready to explode with joy, right? And so he's, he's looking around, and, and there he is, the Lord's Christ, right? And so he runs up, he, he scoops up Jesus, and, and I don't know if this is a song or a poem, but whatever it is, he, he utters this beautiful truth about Jesus in this really uh, creative way about who Jesus is, and what he'll do now now Simeon knew about this appointment but we have no no reason to believe Mary and Joseph do so I imagine that they're a little bit confused and shocked at first they're like what is this random old guy doing picking up our kid like that happens sometimes in our third service at our church maybe if you bring a baby there but like there's this guy he picks up and um, it it might kind of shock him at first until they start hearing the words that he says and, and so um, there, there's kind of two beautiful truths that we see here. There's, there's more than that, but two that I'm going to look at in Simeon's words. And so the first is in verse 29. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And so uh, the, the first thing Simeon says is when he sees uh, God wrapped in flesh is, it's like, I can die in peace now, right? And so uh, sometimes we... we uh, we, we don't really think of death as a peaceful thing. Or, or when we do talk about it, it's like, um, you know, like maybe I want to, if I go, I want to go in my bed peacefully sleeping or something like that. But, but that's not what Simeon's talking about here. He's, he's not talking about how he dies. He's talking the, about the reality of what Jesus' birth means for his death, right? And so like Jesus, uh, th- this little baby's arrival changes things for God's people. And it actually changes death for God's people. All right? So, so now that Jesus is here, death is different. All right? And, and that's true for anyone who's in Christ. So, so when Simeon's saying, now I can grow to, go to my grave in peace, he's, he's saying that because he's looking into the eyes of the Prince of Peace. Right? And, and he's, he's looking at the one who is going to defeat death in the grave. And so he's, he's believing those things by faith. And, and I have to imagine... Death just doesn't look as scary when, when you're looking into the eyes of the one who has the power of life and death in his hands, right? And so it's like, he, he sees him, he's been waiting, he's like, God, your rescue plan's here in the flesh. Like, I, I can just, like, I trust you. I believe that your plan's gonna get carried all the way out. Like, I'm good now. I, I can die in peace. So, uh, because Jesus was here, things were different now. And so, uh, then, then the question that we have to ask is why? So why are they different? What, what does Simeon know or what does he believe about who Jesus is and what he's going to do that's going to change things for God's people? So that's verses 30 and 31. 
He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the people. All right. And so when um, when Simeon looks at one month old baby Jesus or young Jesus, he says, Right here in my hands is God's salvation. Like right here is the rescue of the world. And and I imagine like if people were walking by, that had to sound outrageous. I mean, like if you've seen a one month old, there's nothing about their physique or <laughs> their their ability to do the, like nothing. Nothing would scream rescuer or savior or hero. As a matter of fact, everything would would say to the contrary. Like. They need your help, right? And yet, and yet Simeon is, is boasting and bragging about this baby and how he's going to make a, a way of salvation for all people. And so uh, what, what, is, what exactly is Simeon talking about? And, and really, what do we all need to, to be saved from? So uh, Simeon seems to imply that we all have a, a terrible plight, right? We, we all have some big... Uh, problem that that plagues us all and and the other guys have already touched on that's our problem of sin right and so um you and i have a bitter ugly brokenness that goes so incredibly deep down into the core of who we are all right so much so that it affects the whole of us it it affects our, our mind and our thoughts our heart and our affections our wants our desires our body our soul all of it broken and and distorted because it's been affected by sin, right? And so, you, Robin, you touched on that, and you touched on that, Eric. And so just this, this complete uh, brokenness. So on our own, we're hopeless, helpless, and, and headed to hell, right? And so that is a serious problem, and that's precisely why we need a Savior, all right? And so uh, th- that's what, what Simeon understands here, is the, the answer to everyone's biggest problem across the board is found in um, the, this, the person of Christ. And so uh, Simeon knows, or he's, he's got this child in his hands, and, he, and he's saying, this, this, uh, this little guy is God's rescue plan for sinners. This baby's the cure that, that, he, that he himself believes he desperately needs and we all need. And, and he knows that this baby's going to grow up to do something to deal with that, right? And so he, he, even, uh, he even points to that in verses 33 through 35. I, I didn't read these earlier, but here's, here's what they say. Starting in 33, he said, To his father and mother marveled at what he said about him, and Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from uh, many hearts may be revealed. Right, and so uh, all this wonderful salvation that Simeon's delighting in, hoping in, rejoicing in, he he just says, "Hey, this is going to come at a really terrible cost, Mary." And he's he's looking forward to the cross, and he's saying, "Man, you're you're going to feel feel like your heart is torn in two because you're going to have to witness um, the the cost of salvation and 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 what Jesus has to do to deal with with uh, the the brokenness." of mankind. And so that that's what Simeon is pointing at and and that's precisely why the incarnation had to take place. So you you think of that it's like you, you were talking about her, why would he have to put on flesh? And and that's because like like God can't bleed. You know like like God God can't be spit upon, you know, unless and until he he wraps himself up 
in flesh and becomes like one of us and and then he comes down and and he subjects himself to to the wrath of God and he he puts on a body so that it can be broken and and he and he comes in flesh and blood so his blood can be poured out as a way uh, to make a way of rescue um for, for sinners like you and I and so that that is exactly what God has, himself has done in the person of Christ and so my my hope really um this holiday season, I'm, man, I'm proud of these guys. You guys did a great job of unpacking truth from God's word. Is that, um, man, God would give us all eyes to see that, right? To 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 have the heart that Simeon does here, and that like when we look at Jesus, like man, man, so many people looked at Jesus in his life, and they just saw a baby, or they just saw a man, they just saw a good teacher, and and like still today, some people see that, but but it's my hope that like God would give us eyes to look at him and say. No, no, that is the Savior, right? That, that is God's Son. That, man, that is heaven's King. That is the Rescuer. And, and that we would take hold of Christ um, like He is our only hope and that He would be our peace and our rescue as well. So uh, let, me, let me pray for us um, and then we'll wrap up. King Jesus, again, I thank you so much for these men, uh, for standing up and proclaiming your truth. And God, I, I pray... Uh, that your word would go out, God, um, that you would just speak loud and, and clear through through your scripture. God, and please, uh, man, increase our faith, increase our love for you. Uh, Jesus, be our greatest treasure always, and, and just keep our eyes focused right where they should be um, on you. In your name we pray. Okay, uh, Brad Chase is going to come now. Let me lower the microphone a little bit. Is that about right? Oh, you really? That, that was a joke, everybody. Okay, thank you, Brad. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I might need to bring it up a little bit more. Is that yeah, let's see. That's about right. That's about right, right? <laughs> All right. So I had been working on one, and uh, it it just didn't pan out. It it didn't work out. I don't know why. Uh, well, I do know why. It's, I felt like I was going against what God was actually telling me to do. Um, so I had nothing really at this. But this is bragging on Jesus, not bragging on Brad. And how can I, how can I not take an opportunity, even if I'm winging it, which, fair warning, that's what this is. <laughs> it's totally, uh, totally winging it. All right, but, but one thing that stood out to me, and I'm kind of glad that you, you guys didn't fully cover it because I don't feel like it's really repeating. Uh, so it's in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. Now, I know it's been read. I know it's been mentioned. But... Uh, I just really like the shepherds here. So I'm, I'm just going to start in verse 8. Uh, it says, uh, And in the same region, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by the night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news and great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in, in the highest, and, uh, and, to, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. All right, so let's look at the shepherds here. When the angel went away from them into heaven, 
The shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see the th this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. All right, so right, right away, they've heard what God has said, or that they've, they've seen this amazing show, this amazing display um, of, of go and find this baby. Um, if an angel or a host of angels is telling you to go and find this baby and praising it, are you really going to say, ah, no, we'll do it later? Uh, no, and they didn't either. All right, so they say, let's go. Let, let's go over to Bethlehem and, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They didn't drag their feet. They booked it. They were working at the time. They, they had sheep. They were watching their sheep. Now, I don't know if a couple of people stayed behind to watch or if the way I take it is they all left their flock, left their work because Jesus was more important. All right, so they took off and they went, and, all right, in 16 it says, And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby laying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the sayings that had been told to them concerning the child. All who heard it wondered at what the shepherd uh, told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now, why this sticks out to me is their return. Well, okay, first they're th them going. They didn't, they didn't drag their feet. They heard what, what God had said, and they booked it and went to, to see Jesus. We, I know for me personally, maybe not you guys, but for me personally, when, I, when, I, when it finally clicked who Jesus was, I was hungry. I, I, I went, I, I studied, I, I got involved with Christian guys. I, I poured myself into faith. Now here I am, almost 10 years into, into my Christian life. How often do I not do what they did on the way back? I drag my feet. I wait for the occasion to come to me to talk about God, to, to tell people about Jesus. They, they didn't wait. They glorified and praised him and told all what they had seen and heard. Shouldn't we approach him more like that? We, we don't wait for the opportunity to come, of, come to us. Make the opportunity. I don't know. Just winging it, but definitely spoke to me. Robin. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Uh, Eric, Brian, y'all did great. I'm, I'm Daniel, even Brad, I'm so proud of y'all. Thank you for bragging on Jesus, right? All right, we're going to shut her down for, for now, and hopefully we'll, we won't wait till next Christmas before we do another brag, and uh, we're going to discuss what we talked about a little bit. So see you all later. Thanks.